It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody. Welcome to uh, the Upfront program. I'm Roger Bouchard. Monday through Friday, and uh, we have different uh, people in, depending on what's going on. And uh, this is going to be the last time uh, that uh, John Brian will be joining us as a guest on the Upfront program. As he will be most likely, did you get all your, um, did you get all your signatures uh, in? All the signatures are in, Mr. Bouchard, right. and they will be uh, certified uh, on Wednesday, uh-huh. tomorrow. And uh, right. we'll talk a little bit about that uh, as we go down uh, the agenda. So uh, when he's certified on Wednesday, then under the equal time provision, he uh, will not uh, be able to come on as a guest. But he will be still on every Friday at, um, at around uh, 8.20 as um, a report. Uh, it's a, a paid thing, but uh, it'll be a campaign report all through the campaign through the summer. So we'll be looking forward to seeing you this coming Friday on that. Jeff Gamash has joined us. Good morning, sir. Good morning once again. Thank you for being here. This is the Upfront Program. Now, what we do on Tuesdays, providing that uh, there's not an election campaign in progress, we invite members of the city council to uh, rotate around. We have seven members of the council. Six of them rotate. Uh, Alex Kithis has um, decided not to uh, participate in uh, this, um, I would say, community service. I I really thank the council members for being here because what they do is they kind of do a deeper dive, uh, as uh, some people use, into uh, some of the things that happen at the council meeting so that we can get a, an idea of uh, the detail. So, uh, Mr. Brian, are you ready to begin? I am, Mr. Bouchard. Thanks for having me this morning, and, and uh, welcome, listeners. All right. So, again, uh, the uh, typical question, you're the editor of the paper, you're doing the front-page story, the council meeting has taken place. What would you be leading as the top story last night at the city council meeting? John Brian, council vice president. Well, I think, Mr. Bouchard, if, if we were going to look at probably the most impactful, it was a good, it was an agenda that had a lot of items. So it would be, I think, if you were going to write a story, you could write about many topics that we covered last night. But I think if you were going to cover one main topic, it would be that um, the city council voted on a 6-0 to zero vote to provide a tax stabilization agreement to Resh Inc. Uh, and Resh Inc. will be... Uh, creating a manufacturing uh, plant in back of where the Cumberland Farms is on Cumberland Hill Road. Uh, not entirely up in uh, Highland Corporate Park, but right before it. And uh, there was a, a land sa- there's, a, there's a proposed land sale that goes along with that. And then um, they will be developing a manufacturing plant in, in order to incentivize their uh, they're creating that in Woonsocket and having the creation of jobs. They uh, asked for a tax stabilization agreement, and uh, there was a few versions of this tax stabilization agreement that um, that was circulated. And then I think that you know, Council President Gendron and, and Councilman Canoyer uh, did a great job in in, in moving this uh, agreement along. And uh, so what you have is a tax stabilization agreement with Resh Inc. for the next 10 years. And, and I don't know, if, in case you don't know what that looks like, so what happens is um, they build their building and then there's an assessed value placed on the building. And then so in fiscal year 2022, 20, uh, they're not taxed for that year. And then in 23, it's 35 percent. In 24, it's 40 25 it's 45 and so on so it 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 slowly puts them on the path to uh, paying property tax but it gives them an incentive on the front end and throughout a 10-year process so that um, they have incentive to come in and build this property and and get their concern uh, going and that's the purpose of a tax stabilization agreement and that's what was passed last night and they're rather routine right uh, all over the country yeah I think right- so I mean I, I always like to say that you know any municipality has to offer this kind of uh, incentive to come into your community because quite frankly if we didn't 
Smithfield Wood and North Smithfield Wood and Cumberland Wood or Lincoln Wood. So uh, if you don't do it, your neighbor will. And mm-hmm. so you have to uh, incentivize companies. And, and that's really the cost of doing business these days. You don't, you know, you, we, we're in Woonsocket, we've been trying um, to get that commercial rate down. Uh, the city council has been successful over the years uh, in doing that. Not successful in some years. Um, we had uh, the ability to bring the commercial rate down even further. Uh, but one of uh, our colleagues bailed on us on the veto override and decided that that wasn't important. So uh, we keep trying. And I think that if we can become more competitive with our, our neighbors, we'll be in a much better position. But our commercial rate is where it is, Roger. And so we can't all of a sudden uh, say to a business, hey, come to Winsocket because we're really nice people. You know, you have to have an incentive to come. So uh, we have a high commercial tax rate. So we have to incentivize them and kind of give them a break on the front end so that they will decide to do business here. So, And, and really this was, um, this, the numbers here were produced in order to match the deal that they were um, proposed to be given in Smithfield. So really it was a competition between Smithfield and Woonsocket. And uh, the Langleys are from Woonsocket. They've been very good to, uh, to the, the Woonsocket Catholic Regional School System. And, um, and so... That passed on a six to zero vote. What I found interesting was Councilman Kithis decided to uh, recuse from this because he had gotten a campaign contribution from um, from Mrs. Langley, which you know that's public information. But I don't think that was a need to recuse. Uh, but that was his choice, and and so uh, it was a six to zero vote. The uh, long-term gain, though, bringing a business in like this, and one of the things you hear from common taxpayers, gee, what a break to give the farm away. But in the long game, it's a win for Woonsocket because they will be producing more tax revenue as the years go on. Absolutely. You have, you know, they're, they're, they'll be producing payroll tax. They'll be producing um, more real estate tax. You know, they'll be uh, employing people. And so... Um, and that helps the local businesses. So there is, you know, there's there's that ripple effect of, of what it creates. It's just a matter of how do you get a business to come to your city? And one of them is doing uh, tax stabilization agreements. And that's what the city council uh, voted on and passed last night. And you got to do it quickly because, as you said, there was another community on the horizon. There's always another community on the horizon. Yep. And so um, that's how you get it done. And, you know, it's... Uh, and like I said, Jeff, this is not um, foreign to Woonsocket. This is every city and every city and town is competing against the other. You know, we've seen it here in Woonsocket where we've lost businesses to neighboring towns, and for good reason because of their tax rates, their commercial rates. We're trying to get that down, but until we do, uh, we're going to need to continue to do things like this uh, because we just don't have that competitive commercial rate. Uh, that I know that myself and my colleagues wish that we had. Before we got on the air, I asked you, uh, I was a little bit confused as to why uh, the mayor uh, over uh, overrode uh, some legislation that the uh, that the council passed, uh, introduced and passed and, and so forth. Uh, they were not tied into the rush um, uh, to the rush situation, right? They were not, Roger. So, uh, last night, that was um, I think another thing that if I was a newspaper writer, I would be covering the uh, overriding of two vetoes of uh, the mayor last night by the city council. Uh, those vetoes, there were two of them. They were overridden on a five to two vote. And uh, the first one was based on legislation passed by um, Councilman Knoyer. He introduced it and we, and we passed it. Uh, and that was uh, rescinding Ordinance 15. 075, which was passed five years ago, and that was in regard to the uh, Winsocket Redevelopment Plan and the Highland Corporate uh, Park Winsocket Tax Increment Financing Plan. And really what it was was that it was a um, it was a, a, a way to, to get taxes and, and kind of scoop taxes from f- a future development and put them into this account so they could continue to be used uh, by 
the city and by uh, Highland and and presumably by the Winsaka Redevelopment Agency to do continued development. Well, um, the taxes were actually collected from pre-existing development, and they were just sitting there and not they were never used. And so, um, one of the problems that we've had as a city council, as you know, is involvement with city government. And, uh, and I, don't, I don't say that in a tongue-in-cheek way. I say that in a very serious way. We, um, we've had difficulty with the Woonsocket uh, Redevelopment Agency operating as their own separate entity when they're supposed to be um, reporting to the Woonsocket City Council. In fact, we had to pass legislation to get them to do that, which is you know, absurd uh, because we are the legislative branch. But um, the circumventing of the City Council has, has been made a practice over the past several years. Um, and so... So, so that was meant to correct it? So that was meant to correct us. And so uh, Councilman Knoyer uh, introduced this legislation and, uh, and it was vetoed by the mayor and we overrode that veto last night. There was another um, overriding of a veto and that was in regard to um, the maximum employees of the city. Uh, and what that is in regard to is when we passed the budget, we had made amendments to the budget and we had gotten rid of temporary positions and other positions that hadn't been filled. And so as an ordinance, that is a separate personnel ordinance that's passed saying the amount of it's basically a headcount ordinance. And so um, because we we changed the amount of people working in City Hall and got rid of those those vacant positions, um, because of what happens is with those vacant positions, they end up getting filled and then they're not either filled properly or they're not paid properly in accordance um, with the charter and with the personnel code and with the budget that we pass in terms of, of, of salary. So um, again that had and it had been that had been a circumventing of the council so we had to take corrective action on that. And we got rid of those temporary positions. And so we did that um, and that was vetoed but we overrode that five to two. So uh, some veto overrides last night, and uh, Councilman Kithis and Councilman Susi chose not to join in on those overrides. If you are just joining us, this is the Upfront Program Tuesday edition. It is the uh, day after the city council meeting, and we are interviewing Council Vice President John Brian, and we're going over the agenda item by item, and uh, so we're going to go back uh, to that. Um, so uh, do you have a question for him, or should I uh, get right to the business, uh, Mr. A quick moment. We do have the Council Vice President John Brian here. This, as opposed to Friday, is an opportunity uh, later in the program. I want to remind you the phone lines will open up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's open line conversation today on the uh, on the program. All right. So um, now we're going to uh, talk about, um, about what you wanted to talk about. Uh, uh, it looked like it looked like uh, you you have to. When you want to talk at the city council meeting, you have to uh, put it on the agenda. So you had a request to address the current status of city and town halls and the reopening to the general public. And just before the um, city council meeting in the afternoon, a news release comes out from the mayor's office talking about that. Was that coincidental? And uh, would you like to talk a little bit about access to city hall? Whether it was co- coincidental or not, Roger, I'm you know I'm sure that... Uh, she'll say it wasn't, and and you know I think most clear-thinking people will say, "Gee, that was uh, what a coincidence." So, um, but that's that's neither here nor there. The the point is is that I put this on the agenda last Thursday. Press release comes out yesterday for Treasury to be open on Wednesday. So, listen, that's a good thing. We want City Hall to be reopened, um, and so uh, that's a step towards uh, allowing the taxpayers into look the. the the city hall and the contents therein belong to the people of the city. They don't belong to any one mayor. They don't belong to anyone else but the people, right? The people that work in city hall work for the people of Woonsocket. I mean, it's that simple. Um, so I think that we need to get city hall open because we need to let people do the business in city hall and, and what they need to be done. So treasury will be open on Wednesday, but, you know, you've got... Uh, the clerk's office, which does licenses and vital records and other things like that. Birth certificates. Birth, right, birth certificates. Uh, you've got 
something that's that's very crucial in in the clerk's office, which is access to the vault. And if uh, the listeners don't know what's in that vault, those are the the, the deeds and the and the, the property records, all the recordings of each and every plat and lot in the city, in the city. Excuse me. And so um, I've been contacted by multiple people over the course of this uh, shutdown. Uh, people who are trying to buy a home or sell a home, uh, real estate agents that reach out to me and ask me when City Hall is going to be open. Uh, I'm in Providence doing, you know, I do criminal defense work, and I get attorneys that also do real estate that come up to me and say, John, when is your City Hall going to get open? I have to get in there. I, I need to run a title. I need, you know, I'm trying to do a closing here. Um, this is really killing me. So uh, this affects a lot of people, not just uh, people in the city of Woonsocket, but People who are trying to buy and sell here are definitely affected by it. So my questions um, last night were in regard to when is the rest of City Hall going to be open? What is the plan? What is the target date? Um, You know, we were told last night by the mayor that, you know, they've been working on a plan. Well, City Hall has been locked up since, you know, mid-March. And so I would think that there has to be a, a plan in place and it can't be getting worked on now. I would think that it would be getting worked on all along. And so, um, you know, I know that the fire chief works on it and the public safety director is, is, is part of this as well and all that. But ultimately, is the mayor's call. And I think that um, City Hall needs to be open because we need to continue with business. But I, I'll, I'll close with this, Roger and, and, and Jeff. And, and this is what's, I think, to me so concerning. Um, when Socket has... You know, if you look at the cities and towns around us, Smithfield, Lincoln, Gloucester, North Smithfield, uh, Barville is closed, uh, Blackstone, and I use that only for proximity's sake, uh, Warwick, major municipality, open, Providence, open, Cranston, open by appointment. Um, whether this happened recently or going back to May 12th in Lincoln, uh, which is now you know two months ago. Um, it's not that these opened, some opened recently, some opened a couple of months ago, but the fact is they're open. And the board of canvassers, our board of canvassers, so you've got, just so you guys understand, you've got the board of canvassers in City Hall, right? So that's the office you go to. And then we have a board, a board of canvassers. There are three people. There's a um, there's Chris Beauchamp, Martha Tatro, and Sue Vadney. They are paid by the city. They are considered, they get a W-2 by the city. They are paid. They are, they're, they're an employee, okay, to do the work of the board of canvassers. They are the last board of canvassers that are not allowed in their city hall. So on Wednesday, they need to certify the signatures of 14 city council candidates, five school committee candidates, Democrat city committee, Republican city committee. Uh, and they can't do it in the Board of Canvassers' office because they're not being allowed into City Hall. They're being sent down the street to the train station in which they have to do their work there. Um, I think that's absurd. I think that how can they even, how can we ask them to do their work there, but how can they reasonably do that work there when the voter rolls and all the other papers that they need are in City Hall? And so um, all the candidates were allowed into City Hall to get their papers. They were allowed into City Hall to return their papers. Um, I can't see the reason to not allow three individuals who are city employees into City Hall, take the temperature, give them the screening, and let them in. Even if it's just to the conference room on the second floor. If you don't want them all the way to the third floor, which you should because that's where the Board of Canvases is. But let them into City Hall to send them down the street into the train station, which is empty, which is rented to Vinnie Bono, which, and I'm not saying anything about Mr. Bono. But Mr. Bono is a candidate for District 49 state representative, and his signatures will be verified by the board in the building that he rents. Now, I'm not saying that's, you know, it causes the appearance of impropriety, but why even open yourself up to that? Why even go there? Just let them in. They're employees. There are other employees in there. These people, if they're, you know, if, if they're screened and they pass and they're okay... Let them in. Let them do their job. So, um, you know, I think there needs to be a plan in place. I think there should be a plan in place. I think there. Um, I think we've had more than ample time. City Hall's been locked up tight, and I think that you know uh, it's time. Let the people do the people's business. 
uh, in City Hall, which belongs to all of us. Is there, I don't know if you know this answer, John, uh, is there an expense on the city's behalf? Or is, is Mr. Bono just letting them in the depot or the kindness of his heart, or are we actually renting uh, a space? I don't know if you have that. No, I don't have that answer, Jeff, that's, and that's a good question. I would, I would think that it's probably just allowing them to use the space because that would... That would speak Open to up a whole that, yeah. Hole, that would right. speak to far more of what I'm talking about, yeah. saying you know that we're going to pay him to. So um, I, I would hope, and that's a good question. So I'll try to get yeah. that answer for you. But I mean, it, we don't even need to be doing that. We just should be letting them in. It's, it's that simple. Almost break time here, but I think we can take care of this one really quickly. On the agenda last night, we have a question from a listener. On the agenda last night, we'll try to tie the two in together. They appointed uh, Michael Narducci as manager of the Board of Canvases. That was an official duty of the council. The emailer says, how many people applied for manager of the Board of Canvases? Was the position advertised in the newspaper or on the website? Also, if the city council increases the salary at the applicant's request, should the position be re-advertised at the new salary before hiring that person? Can you put those two uh, things together, the question from the listener and the action of the council last night? Yeah, absolutely, Mr. Bouchard. So the way it works is that the board of canvassers and the three individuals that I, that I just uh, mentioned, they are the ones... Um, that receive the applications, they are the ones that review them, and they actually make the recommendation uh, to the city council for the hiring of a new um, manager of the board of canvassers. And so that is their job to do so. And so we had uh, basically three uh, pieces of legislation on last night that that affects... um, that affects that hiring. We had the new ordinances, which was transferring funds from contingency to legislative. So that took the the additional five thousand dollars into the legislative account, and then uh, a resolution authorizing a salary in excess of the amounted budget of the amount budgeted rather. So that was the increase in salary. So we had to do that. Then the actual resolution appointing him as the board of canvassers, and so. Um, the um, he was the best qualified, from my understanding, because again, the board of canvassers does the hiring. He was the most qualified candidate. He comes from the city of Cranston. Uh, he is someone that will be a true asset to our board of canvassers that uh, desperately needs a uh, uh, a manager that will be able to jump right in, especially in this presidential year. Um, and he actually is taking. Uh, a bit of a decrease to come to the city of Winsocket and be the manager. So uh, we thought um, he was satisfied with that number, uh, and we thought it was reasonable uh, to to give him that in order to get a real high-quality candidate. So um, I think that that comes... You, you wouldn't re-advertise at that amount because um, it's just a matter of, of, of hiring you know, uh, and, and, and the conditions of hiring a new individual. Usually that's been a local appointment, though. I wouldn't want to say a political appointment, but um, it's been a, uh, an appointment that maybe was um, a manager who came from the board of canvases uh, as a, a clerk in the office or something. First time going to the outside, right? Yes, I, and this is, uh, you know, if you look back in the history, you had uh, the managers were, you had uh, John Dion. You had Linda Fontaine for years. You had Estelle Corvo for years, and they're all uh, local people. So this is the first time that I can remember that that we've gone outside the city. But um, in doing so, we've got someone who's an excellent uh, and very well-qualified candidate who's ready to step into the job on day one, and that's really what we need. We'll be back. We've got some commercials to take care of, and then uh, we have a whole bunch of agenda items left to uh, chat with uh, Council Vice President John Brian. Scott McGee of REMAX Properties brings his years of real estate experience to you, whether buying or selling. Check out this property currently on the market from the McGee team. All right, we want to tell you that we're going to 65 Coast Street in Woonsocket for this 1900-built house. Uh, So it's uh, 120 years old. Two stories at 259.9. And Scott McGee would like me to tell you that this is a two-family cedar-shingled New England charmer located in the Vernon section of the city, Coast Street, right off of, uh, I would say, South Main Street. And very quiet and convenient. 
First floor features two to three bedrooms. Second floor has two bedrooms. And all around in decent shape and great for an owner-occupant or for an investor. Taxes are reasonable, thirty-five twenty. If you'd like to uh, talk to Scott McGee about this property, 639-2906 is his telephone number. Scott McGee, your, um, your guy who's going to take care of you from REMAX. The Roast House is open seven days a week and our hours are 11.30 a.m. to 9 p.m. And we're featuring outside dining and inside dining and, of course, takeout. To make a reservation to dine or to place an order at the Roast House, call 508-883-7700. And check our menu on the Internet for theroasthouse.com. Thank you for your support during this period of transition. The Roast House, Palm Street, Blackstone. We welcome back old and new customers for inside and outside dining. Yes, the Roast House is ready to serve you. And they'll be open for lunch today. So if you're looking for a great place for a luncheon... Try the Roast House in Blackstone, Massachusetts. Pawtucket, too. Are you thinking about opening a business or expanding your existing business? Do you need a building to rent or purchase? Call one of the best commercial realtors around who has helped over 30 businesses start up or grow in our community. Contact Garrett Mansuri at Gateway Realty who can help you find that place that works for you. His phone number is 401-651-1519. And start your search today. There's plenty of office, retail, manufacturing, industrial, or vacant land properties out there on the market. And Garrett Manseri can find it for you. His phone number again is 401-651-1519. So give him a call today. Champs Liquors for Keyway, 481 Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Still on sale, Tisdale Wines from California. In six varieties, including a Pinot Grigio, Merlot, Cabernet, White Zinfandel, Chardonnay, and a Moscato. And yes, it's still two bottles for $10. Share in life's endless possibilities with Tisdale Vineyards of California. Quality wine. And we continue the best price in town on Bud and Bud Light. 30-pack, $25.50 plus tax. Champs Liquors for Keyway, Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Champs Liquors now offers in-store shopping. Come on in and browse around. You're welcomed. Social distancing observed at Champs Liquors. And remember, if you have a question, call us at 765-1800 and we'll cheerfully answer any question you have about beer, wine, and liquors. Champs Liquors for Keyway, Woonsocket. All right, we want to tell you that uh, Savini's Pomodoro will be open at 4 o'clock this afternoon, 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, 4 o'clock Thursday, and then uh, open for regular hours uh, the rest of the weekend. What do they do? Well, first of all, we have this nice little Italian cafe that we've opened for outdoor dining. You can see it right from Rathbun Street with the umbrellas and the tables there. And we also do inside dining. Uh, that's available for myself. I'm an inside diner. I of these patios, they're great, but if the place is offering inside dining, I want to go in there uh, for some reason. Maybe I just want to get out of the sun. Enjoy our popular Sicilian style pizza that we recently introduced at Savini's Pomodoro. Clam cakes and chowder, fish and chips, fried clams, sandwiches, and our full menu of Italian favorites, including my favorite, which is. Eggplant parmesan. Any guy, and you guys go for that eggplant parmesan, uh, Mr. Bouchard. I have to. tell I'm not much of an eggplant uh-huh. fan. Never have been, but I can tell you from personal experience mm-hmm. that the mm-hmm. uh, Sicilian pizzas from uh, Savini's Pomodoro are out of this world. I mean, they are. They're, they're, it's some of the best pizza I've ever eaten. And Jeff, <laughs> and ladies, you're a pizza guy. And it, he's it, an eggplant parmesan guy, right? I've Jeff? had the pizza. It's very good. Uh, eggplant parmesan. I love the cheese on that eggplant parmesan. <laughs> but the pizza well, is very good. Well, let me tell you. If you guys do order eggplant parmesan and you don't want to eat it, just pack it up in the box and bring it to Roger. I'll eat it for breakfast. It'll be cheeseless when you get it. Lunch or dinner. Anyway, you'll find those um, Italian favorites at Savini's Pomodoro. So you can do takeout, you can dine in, you can dine out. What more do you want? Here's the number to call for a reservation if you'd like to make a reservation, 762-5114. 
and then they uh, take your number and and your telephone number. You know all the things that they have to do under state um, guidelines right now for indoor and outdoor service. Seven six two five one one four. Where Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen Bar open at four today. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. How you doing, Mr. Brian? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, Mr. Mr. Bouchard. Mr. How about yourself? Good. Gamash, are you doing all right? I'm doing very well, thank you. Okay. What we're doing is uh, reviewing the um, Community Development Block Grant Program for the year. And I was um, looking at the Community Development Block Grant uh, spreadsheet, I guess you could say, for lack of a better word. Yes. And uh, it shows uh, what they did... Um, uh, proposing what they're doing this year and then next year, uh, I mean last year and the year before. Is that it right there, Mr. Bouchard? That's it. And not everybody uh, is getting the same amount of money every time. Would you review the Community Development to HUD uh, Block Grant uh, program for the city of Woonsocket? Who are the winners, who are the losers, and why did some get it and some didn't? Well, I think, Mr. Bouchard, that first of all, um, <laughs> that's a good that's a good question, and I'm going to uh, kind of tie that into something I was talking about earlier in our in our discussion. Um, last night we had the uh, CDBG uh, come before us for approval. Now, why did we have it come to us uh, for approval? It came to us before approval because we had passed legislation um, this year insisting that it did. You know. In prior years, in a, a, for approximately, I think Joel Matthews had said, 28 years prior to about two years ago, CDBG funds had come to the city council. There was a presentation to the city council. It was um, reviewed. There was a hearing, et cetera, et cetera. Suddenly, that just went away. And then... Uh, the reason that was given was was actually false, and it was it was disappointing that Mr. Matthews had lied to the council. Mr. Matthews had said, "Well, we don't. There is no city in town that does it like that anymore. So we're the last ones that do it." Um, to which I actually came to the next meeting and said, "No, that's false. Here's a number of headlines from a number of cities and towns who had their community development block grants come before them, have a review process." And then have a final approving vote. So once again, uh, the city council, having little to do with city government, uh, had to pass legislation in order to get that to happen. So in, in 2019, we passed 19070, uh, which uh, mandated, prior to that, it was a matter of course. The city council had a role, had a say in how these CDBG funds were distributed. Um, we had to take corrective action to make sure that it would finally happen because there's a consistent circumventing of the council. Well, last night we had that ability um, as per that uh, earlier past ordinance. And Mr. Ward had some questions about some spending in the, in the uh, Councilman Ward uh, regarding the spending and, and a... A hire that was made uh, to go over the, you know, to to implement and go over these CDBG funds. Um, there was a question about that, but Councilman Canoria had some um, had some amendments that were made. So we we kind of moved some money around. But I mean, really, what happens is this is federal money. It has it, it's it's being allocated. You say who are the winners, Mr. Bouchard? Um, NeighborWorks is always a winner with CDBG funds. Community Care Alliance is always a winner with CDBG funds. Um, and then uh, another winner was actually uh, road reconstruction. So, May I ask uh, one question about uh, NeighborWorks and Community Care Alliance? The reason they become winners is that there's really nobody or other agency in the city to give the money to, right? Right. I mean, I mean that is the, these, right. are, these are the top social service right. and uh, it's housing allocated for that city. kind of thing. So therefore, right. if you don't give it to them, then you have to give up the money because this is not taxpayer money from Winsaka. This is federal funds coming through. Correct. Okay. So, um, you know, three thousand uh, three hundred ninety-six thousand fifty-four dollars uh, in federal money. Uh, being utilized for road reconstruction. 
um, things like that. So, I mean, these are uh, code enforcement, uh, senior center, uh, you know, um, for that building. So, I mean, it's, it's spread around. It's federal money. Look, here's the reality. Uh, these aren't pennies from heaven. This is your money. This is my money, but on the federal level, right? The federal level, the 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 the, the federal government comes in and looks at cities in Woonsocket and says, you know, you can apply for these grants, um, and we do, and then we're awarded them based on need and everything else um, throughout the application process. So um, this is just another way of, of of our money being spent. But it's coming in from the feds rather than coming in from the state or through the city. Some communities don't get a penny that is of true. CDBG fund because um, they're not eligible because of who their population is and, and also what the income of the population is. And as uh, we said, some of the money has to be spent for certain kinds of programs. And if you don't uh, take the money and spend it for, let's say, NeighborWorks work... Uh, then you have to give up the money and let some other community use it. My goal is for this community to be in that position someday, Mr. Bouchard. CDBG funds allocated, and looks like there wasn't uh, a big uh, debate on that, right? Uh, they seem to to um, go right along with the recommendation here. Yes, like I said, so there were some questions and there was some, some amendment, but for the most part, we went along uh, with uh, with the plan, but um, what's nice to see is that, you know, uh, because of our actions, the city council, and I would like to see the public hearing mm-hmm. be held with the city council uh, as it was for all those years. And um, But that'll be up to the next city council because, as you know, I won't be on the city council uh, any longer. Yes. Pulling one uh, allocation or two allocations out of the CBG Community Development Block Grant Funds. That's for the Senior Center, which is called Aging Well now, yes. I guess they call it. So we are funding the Senior Center because that's re- very recognizable in the community, right? Absolutely. What kind of money are we giving them? Uh, the Senior Center, so there's uh, the exterior, uh, so there's a, a, a $50,000 amount for the uh, for ADA compliance, uh, and so that's going there. But what happened was uh, aging well in the past, they had applied for CDBG funds. And so what they had said was um, they they were asking for funds from the city in terms of through the budgetary process mm-hmm. rather, rather than from the federal grant process. And so um, that's how uh, we're currently funding because you've got for nutrition, at the, for aging well, the, um, the, the meals program uh, and other programs will come through the city budget. Now, you know that uh, the Senior Center Board of Directors has a excellent chairman. Did you know who, who that I, was? I, I know that. Mm-hmm. I, I, my understanding. He does excellent work. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's a, a pillar of the community as far as I know. Yes. And unpaid. Yes. I just... Uh, who is that? Who is that executive? Me. Oh. No, oh. Thank you. Civil Luke. servant. Right. Yes. I'm a civil servant. A very humble civil servant. We meet that. once a month and make sure that the senior center is either heated in the winter or cooled in the summer, among other responsibilities. And the city council approved a very nice uh, new roof for mm-hmm. the senior center. Right. And that's going to help both in winter and summer, keeping the heat out in the summer and keeping the heat in, in the winter. All right. Let's move on. This is... The uh, review of the Woonsocket City Council meeting, and the council uh, vice president is with us, and we're uh, looking at um, a dump truck. Now, now um, this kind of thing, we need equipment for the city uh, of Woonsocket. There didn't seem to be much of a, of a debate here about uh, buying a, a, new, uh, a new dump truck. Um, so, what's the story? Well... I was I was speaking to a, a city employee recently um, on Main Street, and they said, uh, you know, Mr. Brian, I, I, I hope that uh, you will, you know, uh, help public works because we I was driving a dump truck and uh, the steering wheel let go and it's in really bad shape. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we. Public Works, we have been very supportive of Public Works as a city council. Um, they do a good job. Uh, Steve D'Agostino has done a good job uh, in Public Works. Certainly no one no one would say different. And this city council has rewarded that good job with um, giving Public Works the 
capital expenses that they need uh, to to continue doing that that good work. So um, it, it's a need. It's uh, the money was there, and uh, it, and it only benefits the rest of the city of Woonsocket. So. I don't know where the the debate would would come from. There was some question as to uh, the purchasing um, process that was cleared up. That was asked by Councilman Ward, and and so once that was cleared up, it was uh, passed on a seven to zero vote. I hate this topic revaluation. However, it comes up. It's yes. required by law, and um, and we have to find a. Um, a company to do the uh, revaluation of city property every, I think it's every three years, but I'm not quite sure. Anyway, what is going on with revaluation? It looks like we, did we turn down the company that uh, actually bid last night, or what's the story? Well, there were a number of bidders, uh, and apparently Northeast uh, Reval came in first, and then a Vision who, um, you know, there was, had bid, and uh, I think there was, there were other bidders, but... Um, Vision is is who the city used to use um, and had used for years. And then we went over to Northeast Reval. Northeast Reval, um, last night was an interesting thing. You don't see it every, you don't see it that often. Uh, There was a, um, there was, the way that it, 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 it was presented, and I wanted to make sure I had it right, it was, it was 20R71 authorizing the finance director to enter into a contract with Northeastern Reevaluation Group. Um, that failed for a lack of a second. I think it was Councilman Susi who, um, motion, who who motioned first, and then you need a, and you know as part of the the parliamentarian process, uh, you need a second. If you don't get a second, it fails for a lack of a second. So we didn't even have a vote. Why didn't Kitha second it? Just have, to get things going. I I I don't know what don't goes know? on in, in, in his mind. In his mind. Okay, so fine. um but it failed for a lack of a second, which is really a rare thing. You don't see that very often. And so, so I what think does it mean though? What what I think that means is 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 we didn't it, it, there is no authorization to negotiate a contract with Northeast because um, I think that there is a universally accepted at least by members of the council and members of the community. Um, I know uh, former uh, council president Brian has been on these airwaves talking about Northeast Reval for years. I think that's been, and others, um, uh, Mr. Ward, uh, Vinnie Ward of the um, Assessment Board of Review, they have complained about Northeast Reval and the shoddy work uh, presumably shoddy work, seemingly shoddy work that they did uh, in this last reval where, um, you know, the, they had stated that they went into homes and they had stated that they had seen things. But really all they did seemingly in a number of, of, of cases was basically just to take the information that Vision had and use that same information. And Read make off absolute, the card. Right, they, yeah, and make no say? changes whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And then there were seemingly some properties which should be... Their value should have definitely been much higher than it was, and it's not. And there are properties that, that, that should have values that are much lower, and they're not. So I, I think this speaks to the confidence that the council um, and the public of. has. Uh, yeah, the lack of confidence yeah. uh, in Northeast Reval. So we do need a revaluation company. So does that mean we're going to go out to bid again, or uh, or we're just going to choose the next uh next highest bidder. I don't know. We'll see what happens next. But as far as this particular uh, vendor, this particular contract, uh, there wasn't even a nay vote. There was just no consideration. It'll be back on the agenda again. Uh, We'll see uh, in what form next time. It'll be interesting to see, yes. Yes, thank you. Uh, Racial Policies Review Advisory Board. 13 people. uh, I've got the list of people here. And uh, we read it on the radio earlier this morning, so we don't have to go through it uh, with our, uh, with our, or maybe I should do it. Huh? Maybe, sure. Uh, that would be quick. Uh, here they are, um, Rufus uh, Bailey Jr., Common Bush Busher, Pauline Demuris, Gigi Dezonier, Megan Giffen, Thomas Gray, Sharon Harmon, Michael Harris, Ben Lessing, Anita McGuire-Fossier, Jean Michonne, and um, Ofakonsky, excuse me, Nwando Ofakonsky, 
and Carol Wilson Allen. Those are the um, board members that were approved by the council last night. And so it sounded like, in listening to some of the audio, Mr. Brian, that uh, Mr. Gendron said, now they are approved, let's get to work and have a meeting, right? Did I hear something along those lines? Absolutely. So there was an agenda uh, item to expand that committee because of interest, which I think is a great thing. Um, from 11 to 13, we, we, uh, because the original legislation um, contemplated 11 people on that committee. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you need a, you need a, a odd number. Correct. Okay. So, um, when they, for when they, they take uh, votes. Uh, but there was uh, more interest than uh, the 11 spots, so we expanded to 13, and then we approved all 13. And I think that that... Um, is a great thing, and I and I think that uh, I look forward to seeing uh, the results produced by this particular board because um, there was a lot. This was born of the communications that we received, telling us that there are policies and there uh, is um, that there are racist policies put in place currently, and it's our job to uh, to fix them, uh, and so. Uh, there wasn't much identification of what those policies were. No specifics. Were. No specifics at all. We were told that there are these policies, so um, this board is empowered to go ahead and find them and present them to, this, to the city council, and then uh, we'll be able to do something about them as we've been asked. So, um, Roger, if I, if I might, I want to uh, go. Can I go backwards and in, into our conversation about a couple of things? Of course you can. You're our guest. Thank you. So, um, in regard to uh, senior services, because I know you'll you'll find this uh, interesting, as as the auspicious uh, head of that board, um, one hundred fifty five thousand in the operating budget for senior services this year. So um, there's that. So that's why there was less in CDBG and and more in the operating budget. But back to CDBG for a moment. Um, one of the things I was remiss in mentioning. Um, I've often said that we can we can operate differently uh, in our city, but much like our neighbors, which are similarly situated, Pawtucket and Central Falls. Central Falls is, is, uses their CDBG a little differently. Um, many of the same things they'll do uh, with uh, social programs and things like that. But they're using $20,000 of their CDBG funds to create... A kayak program for kids to put low and low income and, and moderate, moderately low income kids out on the water um, to show them another way, you know, something else, and, and to kind of give them, uh, empower them to show them that you know this is something that that they can do, and this is part of uh, of, of where they live. They live on the Blackstone. Um, I think. Doing things like that as well is really important, and those—that's another good use of CDBG that I would like to see going forward. Um, I think that that is a, a really nice thing to do because not only does it lift up the kids, but it's—it's it, it's good for the parents. It's good for the image of the city, um, and I think those are the kinds of things we can be doing with CDBG as well. One of our listeners writes, I find it amazing when it comes to taxes, a safe way has been established to enter City Hall because it brings in the money. You could have uh, someone providing face masks as they enter the entire building and collect them as they exit. And then there's a word they, but I don't know if there's any... I think you want to collect them. Oh, and they then can be washed and used daily. (laughs) That could also be used... um, to return the council meetings to the councilors. So, um, yeah, that was my question. That was going to be uh, right uh, where I was going to say, well, okay, caller, the next part of the question is, when are you guys going to meet in person? I very much would like for the next meeting for us to meet in person. I think that what we need to do is um, look where we are as a state in terms of the guidelines. Uh, where, there's not an, another meeting, I believe, uh, until the second Monday in August, which would be... Uh, the 13th, I believe, or the, what, what is the, uh, because there's only one. No, I thought you had one next Monday. No. I think there's. Uh, I thought you had back-to-back. Right. Well, I what I'm talking about, regular, regular city council meetings, Jeff. And so. Once a month in. Yeah, once a month in the in summertime. summertime. So, um, I think it's the 16th, which would be 
our next regular city council meeting. And I think that would be the target date to get back into City Hall. But we need to figure out a way uh, to do it and to do it so that we're um, observing social distancing guidelines, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think um, it'll be open for the public to come in. I don't suspect, but at least we can get back to having live meetings. We may be able to have the public in. We may have a limited amount of seats. I don't know. That will have to be determined. Um, But I know that there's no question that the people's business should be done in person in City Hall as soon as we can. And I think that um, we've done, you know, I think that Mike O'Connell and the city council and the clerk has done amazing, uh, an amazing job doing this over Zoom. And, you know, there's so many facets to this, but um, there's no substitute for being in City Hall and doing a live meeting because I think, you know, that's our job and that's what we should be well, doing. Well, besides watching it on television and seeing you guys in person, the big thing is public comment. You had some big issues over the past several months, including the budget. The budget hearing on Zoom, not that well attended. Uh, but you had the racism panel. You, even the Pride flag, POW flag event would have drawn public comment. Absolutely. Are you hearing from people outside of me? Because they're, they're, not, they're not addressing me. I, if you watch the public hearing, um, the budget is very brief. Um, are you hearing from the public Absolutely. outside of these meetings? Yeah. Do so, they want to address you on these issues? Yeah, so I get a lot of, you know, I, I get a lot of um, emails. I get a lot of phone calls about these issues. Um, and so... People aren't shy, but here's the thing. I think a lot of the communication I get is from the people that I almost expect to hear from, right? I think the city council meeting allows someone to, who maybe doesn't do this all the time, but sees an issue that they're really passionate about, can come in and uh, and talk about that issue. And so I always welcome that. I always, you know, some people bristle at um, citizen good and welfare. I like it because I think that's one of the most entertaining parts of the meeting because you never know what you're going to get. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, so um, I, I enjoy the meetings and I want to get them back in City Hall. And I think that that rolls right into the fact that we need to get City Hall back open to the public. Thank you, John, for joining us. Thank you, Jeff, for your assistance this morning. And we will see you tomorrow on the Upfront program. I'm Roger Bouchard. Bye-bye. This has been WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Woonsocket.